Our scripture reading today is taken from John chapter 15, verses 1 through 17. Our message is entitled, Vine and the Branches, Bearing Fruit. This is the Lord's word. I am the true vine, and my Father is the vine dresser. Every branch in me that does not bear fruit, he takes away. And every branch that does bear fruit, he prunes, that it may bear more fruit. Already you are clean because of the word that I have spoken to you. Abide in me, and I in you. As the branch cannot bear fruit by itself unless it abides in the vine, neither can you unless you abide in me. I am the vine, you are the branches. Whoever abides in me and I in him, he, is, he it is that bears much fruit. For apart from me, you can do nothing. If anyone does not abide in me, he is thrown away like a branch and withers. And the branches are gathered, thrown into the fire and burned. If you abide in me and my words abide in you, ask whatever you wish, and it will be done for you. By this, my Father is glorified, that you bear much fruit, and so prove to be my disciples. As the Father has loved me, so have I loved you. Abide in my love. If you keep my commandments, you will abide in my love, just as I have kept my Father's commandments and abide in his love. These things I have spoken to you, that my joy may be in you, and that your joy may be full. This is my commandment, that you love one another as I have loved you. Greater love has no one than this, that someone laid down his life for his friends. You are my friends if you do what I command you. No longer do I call you servants, for the servant does not know what his master is doing. But I have called you friends, for all that I have heard from my Father I have made known to you. You did not choose me, but I chose you and appointed you that you should go and bear fruit, and that your fruit should abide, so that whatever you ask the Father in my name, he may give it to you. These things I command you, so that you will love one another. May the Lord bless us in the reading of his word. Good morning, everyone. It's good to see brothers and sisters gathered together. Welcome back to some of the Emory students um, who are returning for their fall semester. Every season that the Lord gives us is an opportunity for us to see his handiwork and to see his love. Every moment that we have to reflect upon our lives is an opportunity to see God's grace in the past and to see his everlasting hand in our present and to know that our future is assured with him. We come into this season, this fall season, wondering what God is going to do in our lives, wondering what God has in store for us. But rest assured, his faithfulness in the past to you it's the same faithfulness he has for you in the future. Let us fix our eyes ever upon him and not upon ourselves or our own circumstances, thinking that God is not in control, thinking that God does not know what he is doing. God knows what he is doing. 
And although at times he does not reveal to us exactly what we want to see, what we want to know, we trust that his wisdom is greater than ours. We are but children, finite beings before him. His hand has sustained our lives, sustained our lives till now. His salvation and his love lifts us up towards him. And so we walk by faith. We trust in the God who is all-knowing, all-loving. And we put our lives in his hands. He is the one that we worship. We at times have to silence our own brains and silence our own hearts that we may listen to him. Sometimes it's good for us to actually talk and to hear the nonsense that we're thinking in our brains so that we could recognize the nonsense that is out there and, and rebuke it and say, these words are words of unbelief. These words are the words of mistrust. These words are the words of Satan, the evil one. And so that our hearts can turn to the Lord in repentance and to fill our hearts, to fill our minds with the promises of God. And as we do so, our lives start to see his majesty and his glory. And we start living for him and not for ourselves. Whatever season that the Lord is giving you now, whether you're in the beginning of a new season, end of an old season, or in the midst of a season, all of us need to remind one another and remind ourselves that Jesus is the answer. It's not simply a trite platitude, but it's the truth of who we are. He is the answer. When you look in the mirror and you ask yourself, the questions, why is my life the way it is? You look in the mirror, you say Jesus is the answer and don't roll your eyes at that answer. But ask God, God, help me to believe here in my being what I know to be true from your word. And it's that fight and it's that battle that God has called us to to obey, to trust him, no matter what he has placed in front of us. And so we arrive here in John chapter 15, verses 1 through 17. And last week we saw that Jesus has said to, to all of us that he is the vine and that we are the branches. That he himself and the Lord God has called us out of darkness, has chosen us and has engrafted us into the true vine. Before that, we were linked to the vines of unbelief all around us, thinking and believing that it would give us life. But Jesus, by his grace and his mercy, and God, by his, his sovereignty, chopped us off and engrafted us to the true vine of Christ himself that we may have life. This picture of, of salvation that God is showing us in John chapter 15 is a picture of God's sovereignty in you. 
that he has already, as he says in scripture, he's already made you clean. He's taken you from darkness, brought you into light. You pass over from death into life. You pass over of being orphans and outcasts to being citizens and sons and children, daughters of God. And he's done all of that without you lifting a single finger. In fact, the, the picture more of this is of you kicking and screaming. That's what our hearts do, rebel. And yet God took you kicking and screaming and brought you into his family and opened your eyes and opened your hearts to see this is salvation. This is life. This is the truth. And that truth has set you free. You've opened your eyes to see the realities of this world. You've opened your eyes to see that this world does not have what Jesus has to offer to you. In this passage we see, and we'll get to this, this will be the, the fourth part of the sermon. We'll see, he, he offers to you what? Fullness of joy. Not happiness. Not pretending to be content. Not a, a willful desire to say, I'm going to be happy, so let's be happy. But real joy. Real contentment. And yet we know that in our lives, in our daily lives, right, we, we fight. And we wonder ourselves, are we clean? Do I know the Lord Jesus? Have I ever experienced or seen this joy that Scripture is talking about? And a word of encouragement to, to all of you before we sort of dive into today's message is that if you sincerely wrestle with following God and sincerely wrestle with the sins that you have before the Lord, I'm not talking about just human, regular human guilt that all of us have. I'm not talking about good Asian guilt that many of us have. I'm talking about knowing that you've sinned against the Lord himself. You've wronged him. Not other people. Not about the feelings that you have in your heart, but against him. And you've wrestled with that. And there are times you run away because you don't think God can forgive you of that. We've all been there. Rest assured, you're probably clean. For no one who does not know God can wrestle with God himself. But those of you who wrestle with knowing God glorifying God. You are clean. God's love for you is complete. We call that in our circles in theology <clears throat> justification by faith. God has cleaned you. And by the gift of faith, 
you see that you are clean. But there's a mystery in all of that. And that mystery is sort of unpacked here in this message and in this passage in John chapter 15. Because Jesus is talking to us. He's talking to the church. And he's asking the church, remember, to remain in me or abide in me and I in you. That even though we are made clean, Jesus has given us the duty and the privilege to constantly make decisions to follow him. To constantly fight the old self and to, and to obey the new self. To constantly say no to unrighteousness and yes to God and holiness. And sometimes we get confused. We think that if we disobey God and if we start to fall away from God, therefore God has nothing to do with us. But that's not what Scripture teaches. Scripture teaches that the life of faith is a life of struggle in putting our allegiance to God over against our allegiance to self and the world. And that that struggle will continue until the Lord comes back. And you might wonder why, why, why this struggle? This is just, aren't you just adding upon humanity or adding upon me just another thing to worry about? Like I have enough things to worry about. Why are you adding this upon me? And we'll see later on that this struggle, this life of faith, is actually what brings joy in our lives. And we'll, we'll get to that in a couple of weeks. But in the time being, God wants every Christian and believer to know that we must continue to abide in him or continue to remain in him or continue to seek him. It is not something that just happens naturally to us. It's supernatural. God has given us now the ability, but we need to exercise that ability to stay with him, to nurture that relationship, and to be with him. We know this from human experience, if, I, if, I, if you allow me to make this analogy. All of you were born in the human sense of the word. You all have a father and a mother. And this father and this mother, they have a relationship with you as a son and a daughter in one way or another. But you can choose how you want to nurture that relationship. You'll always be their son. You'll always be their daughter. Biologically speaking, that, that's who your mother, and your, 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 your mother and your father are. But you can choose to abide in that relationship or not. And if you abide in that relationship and grow that relationship, your understanding as your role as a child to that of your mother and your father, and you will nourish it and enjoy it for what a parent-child relationship should be. But think of it this way. If you're a rebellious child, never acknowledge your mom or your dad, 
run away because of whatever reason, disavow them, then what happens to us? There's a question of whether or not you know your mom or your dad. You have any relationship with your mother or your father or your parents. Jesus is saying to us this. In the church in general, you have to realize that there will be people in the church who know me and people in the church who don't know me. Right? This is, this is a sober reality. Our duty as Christians is to live such a life of obedience and abiding in Christ that we prove to others and prove to ourselves that we are children of God. There will be people amongst us who will claim that God is their God, but without abiding in God, without bearing that fruit, they will show themselves not to be children of God. Now, we ourselves don't know what God's design is and who it is that that those people will be. But God knows. And our duty is to grow our own lives with him and to help each other as a church to abide in him as well to grow in his love, to grow in him. Hebrews chapter 2, there's a warning. And this warning is here in this passage as well, right? In verse chapter 4, as the branch cannot bear by fruit, um, verse 6, sorry, if anyone does not abide in me, he's thrown away like a branch and withers, and the branches are gathered, thrown into the fire, and burned. This is a warning to us as God's people, all of us. It's a warning to me. Hebrews chapter 2 talks about, about, the, about a warning of not sort of cultivating our faith, cultivating our, our obedience to God. And that there will be some among us who will fall away from the faith because of not obey, abiding in the Lord. That because they really didn't know God, they can't bear fruit. And after a while, they start to wither. And after a while, they fall away. And you might say to yourself, Listen, Pastor, I've been a Christian all my life. I've gone to church all my life. How can you say that this is going to be me or any of us? God teaches us something very important in Hebrews chapter 2 and here in John 15. Is that wherever God's word is spoken, wherever God's message is proclaimed, wherever God's spirit comes and blesses with the fruits of joy and love and repentance and forgiveness. Now what happens is that amongst the children of God, there will be people who don't know God, but they too will be blessed just because everyone around them is blessed. 
And they too will experience some sort of religious experience. Maybe not, tr- not true God-given experience, but a religious experience nonetheless. And they'll be blessed by that just because God has blessed the church. You know, all of you guys know that I'm from Philadelphia. And all of you guys know that I can't, I, I can't vote, for, I can't root for Atlanta teams. I try, but I can't. I just can't. Um, I say I would love to, but deep down inside me, no, I don't want to. Um, but let me tell you, if I went to a football game, Falcons game, and they won, and there's a promotion that said, if the Falcons score 28 points, everyone gets free Chick-fil-A. Guess what? I'm a Falcons fan that day. <laughs> and guess what? I get the fruits. I get a Chick-fil-A sandwich, although they're closed on Sundays. But deep down inside, I'm not an Atlanta Falcons fan. But I bear the fruits. I'm sorry, I enjoy the fruits that God pours or the team pours upon other fans. That happens in the church. The warning for this as, as God's people for all of us is this, is don't mistake getting the fruits that God gives to his people. These religious experiences you may have, this closeness of fellowship with brothers and sisters, singing songs that tingle your heart. Don't mistake that for actually knowing Jesus. Just as don't mistake getting those free gifts as being a Falcons fan. But check your heart. Am I abiding in Christ? Do I know Jesus? Does he know This verb, abide in Christ. Um, you look at the context, but, but also grammatically, it sort of accentuates this, is that the, the verb abide um, itself and its meaning, but also the, uh, the grammatical form of it, it means to basically keep remaining. It's not this one once-in-a-lifetime thing where you say, just trust in Jesus, everything's finished. No, it's you need to keep abiding. This imperative means you keep doing this until the day I come. So the question for us, a sobering question, is do we abide in Jesus or are we abiding in this world? Will we be thrown away one day or will we bear the fruit that God has for us. Now, this passage talks a lot in specifics of what it means to abide in him. And we'll get to that next week about what this passage says in, in specific. But I'm going to talk in general about what it means for all of us. Abiding in Jesus or remaining in him means that we trust in his love and his grace in every aspect of our lives. It means we give to him 
all things that are dear to us, knowing that he himself will redeem all these things for his glory and our joy. When you were justified by faith, when God justified you, gave that gift of regeneration, and you were able to vocalize with your own mouth that I am a sinner before God and he's, he's forgiven me. Many of you have had this religious experience and you, and you need to have this experience. Don't get me wrong. And you have this notion that I'm giving, I'm going to give everything to God. Everything. Just everything. I just Everything I'll give to God. God, whatever you want me to do, I'll, I'll do. Whoever you want me to marry, I'll marry. Wherever you want me to go, I'll go. Wherever you want me to study, I'll study. And inside your heart, you start to believe that this is it. This, I, I just give everything to him. But you start to realize as you grow in your faith that even though you believe that you gave Jesus all your eggs, that you start to realize that you look in your own basket and those eggs that you thought you gave to God start appearing in your own basket again. Oh, I thought I trusted God with my future. Oh, oh no, it's here. Oh, I thought I trusted God with my future spouse. Oh, no, it's here. Oh, I thought I trusted God. Oh, it's here, it's here. And you start to realize, dude, I didn't give anything to God. I still have everything. That's when you start to realize that I'm clean, not because I gave anything to God. I'm clean just by, by his grace alone. What God wants us to do in abiding in him is what? Is as God reveals to you whatever it is that you need to give back to him, you take it and you lay that to cross. And you say, God, I can't let this go. You know what I'm saying? You take it, you lay it on the cross, and you say, God, I can't let this go. My hands are stuck. Because that's the reality. Any of you who say to me, you give it to God, you let it go, and you walk away, you're fooling yourself, and you only get more discouraged by your faith. You go, and your hands are stuck. And you go to the Lord and say, Lord, help me. I want to let this go, but I can't. I'm too weak. I hate that I can't do this. I hate that I can't give you everything. I hate that I can't worship you. This is standing between you and me. I can't let go. Help me. And God, by his grace and his love, as you abide in him, He will walk by your side 
And I'll say to you first, don't worry. Even if you have those in your hand, you're forgiven and I love you. And even with that in your hand, come walk with me. And in my timing, my son and my daughter, slowly but surely, you will release it. And I'll redeem it. And you'll take it back up again. But it'll not look the same. For now, what you wanted for your own glory, your own satisfaction, you now take up for my glory, for my satisfaction. And you start to realize that whatever I lose, I will gain a hundredfold when it's redeemed by the Lord. See, one of the, one of the, the ways that we, we grow in the Lord, that we bear fruit, that we abide in Him, is the whole notion of repentance and faith. And repentance is not as simple as saying, Lord, I've sinned, here it is, blah, 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 and walk away. Because you're not taking sin seriously enough if you don't realize that you can't let go of your sin. Let me say that again. You, you don't take sin seriously if you believe that you can actually get rid of it on your own. You're not taking it seriously enough. It's like a little child saying, I'm sorry. You know they're not sorry. Same with you guys. It's like you guys say, Lord, forgive me. Forgive you what? God's not taking you seriously. You don't even take it seriously. But to take it seriously is to go and know that you can't let go. And to know that only God can forgive you of not letting go. That God in his grace will help you to let it go. What's beautiful about this is what? We're not focusing so much on our sin, but we're focusing on the person who can forgive us and who loves us and who empowers us. It's Christ that you abide in, not righteousness. It's Christ that you abide in, not getting rid of sin. Him that you rest in, not in anything else. So go. All of you, go. Go to Him. Run to Him. Run to Him with your weakness. Run to Him in your sins. Run to Him confessing that you love sin. And run to him knowing that the Spirit is working in you, saying you need to hate sin. And let him minister to you. Holiness 
or obedience to God just for the sake of being holy or obedience is empty. It's not abiding in Him. Holiness or obedience with the goal of seeing Jesus is what God has called us to. Our goal in life is not to get rid of sin. Our goal in life is not to live perfect life. Our goal in life is to simply to see Jesus and know him. And allow him to change us. Bear the fruit that keeps in step with the spirit. And if you feel yourself that you are starting to fade away, that you're not abiding in him, come back. Come back to the Lord and experience the forgiveness that is yours. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you for your love and your mercy. And we, Lord, we come confessing our sins to you. Lord, we confess to you, Lord, that even during worship when we have that time of confession, it's only a minute long. And Lord, we, we, we know that we need to say these words and we know that these words are right, but Lord, oftentimes we're just, we're just overwhelmed, discouraged because Lord, we know that all the things that we're repenting of that we, we really don't want to change. We like the idea of being your children without holiness. But Lord, we know how empty that is. Doesn't bear real fruit, doesn't bear real joy. And in fact, if anything, it just makes us abhor you, Christianity, religion, all the more. But help us to come to you with stark honesty, Lord. That even as believers, Lord God, we we fool ourselves into thinking that we can earn your favor. But Lord, abiding in you is not about being perfect. Abiding in you is about being honest. Abiding about Abiding in you means, Lord, coming to you with all our sins, our rebellion, and with the stark desire of not wanting to be like this, but knowing we are like this. And knowing that you and you alone can change us. So change us. There are some of us here, Lord, who we can't get rid of the idolatry of relationships. We want to get married. We want to have children. We want to have good, good relationships with friends, with family. Lord, forgive us. There are some of us, Lord, who want stability in our lives. There are some of us who don't want any type of trials or tribulations that come from knowing you. Forgive us. And help us, Lord, Help us to see, Lord, that living a life here with trial and tribulation and knowing you is far greater than having a life of peace and stability and not knowing you at all. So let us worship you and you alone. In Christ's name we pray. Amen.